What's going on, guys? It's Mohammed, the host of Aware Alpha, and welcome to episode 91. Uh, just want to say I'm feeling super, super grateful uh, for having a platform to share uh, my experiences and the guests that I bring onto the show and their experiences and the lessons that they share. And lately, I am even more grateful for all the feedback that I have been getting from individuals that are not only listening to the podcast for entertainment purposes, but they are actually taking stuff away and they're starting their own healing journey. They're starting and implementing a lot of the things that we talk about on this podcast. And everyone that listens to the podcast is very familiar with how I invite guests onto the show. Uh, you know, through Instagram, Facebook, social media, individuals that I feel called to I reach out to them and I bring them onto the show and we have a genuine organic conversation about whatever that comes to mind. Uh, so with that being said, today we have a special, special guest. Uh, he goes by the name of Aaron. He's a coach and a best-selling author. And based on checking out his Instagram, he seems like he's traveling the world and really, truly helping men become an aware alpha in this modern day age. So with that being said, welcome to the Aware Alpha podcast, Aaron. Thank you. Great to be here. Love what you're creating. Awesome. Thank you, man. So one of the first questions that comes to my mind is, what do you consider an integrated man? Or what, what do you think an integrated man looks like? Or what, what's an integrated man? Yeah, great, great question. For me, an integrated man is somebody is a man who's connected to his mind, he's connected to his heart, he's connected to his emotions, and he's connected to his sexuality. And neither of any of those take the leading edge, but he has an awareness to lean into any of those voices at any given time. And we all know that those voices can be strong. Sometimes the sexuality is strong. Sometimes the mind is strong. Sometimes the heart's like <gasps> really, really strong. And the emotions, that, that fiery you know, animal instinct is strong. And so an integrated man has an awareness of all of these voices inside mm -hmm. and is able to assimilate them. And really what I feel like then speaks and, and takes action from, the, from his heart from a heart which is most i find most deeply and directly connected to the soul so an integrated man is isn't just this super alpha i'm gonna destroy and dominate the world he's he's soft he's tender as well as he's clear he's direct he's a a walking embodiment of of love and he understands love cognitively and he also breathes love in his day-to-day -day life mm, that's a great answer you know, what would you say or what does it take to become an integrated man? And I feel like this question probably could take the whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm very curious to just see where you start with this. Um, like, you know, how does one become an integrated man? Well, the way I look at it is life gives us great opportunities to learn. Life gives us great opportunities to observe the the things that we're good at the things that we fail at the things that we have fallen fallen away from and so if we can utilize our school ground of life to evolve expand and grow then we have the capacity to be more integrated because the journey you've taken to be where you are now is different from the journey I am, different from every single human on this planet. Mm -hmm. Neither one of us are higher or lower. We've just entered into this, what I would call a, a flesh suit, mm -hmm. this kind of skin thing that we're in that the soul is inside of. Yeah. And we're learning to evolve and grow in a way to share the love that's inside of us. So the journey is, is a matter of getting out of our own way. I think one of the biggest things I found is almost an unlearning process where I see the things I've failed at, I learn from them. I see the things I'm great at, I learn from them. And then I step forward each day really in the mystery because the moment my mind is like, this is what I'm doing and this is the plan and this is what's going to happen. And I'm trying to control every step along the way. Then that's usually where it goes, boom, something. We fall flat on our face and we're like, oh, wait, maybe I don't know the answer anyways. <laughs> So I think the journey of integration is one of deep listening mm -hmm. and, uh, and that is a quality that's more associated more to the feminine. Mm -hmm. You know, we're both in male bodies mm 
but there's a feminine essence alive inside of us and that feminine essence has qualities of creativity intuition and receptivity so an integrated man not only is he strong and clear and on his path and his purpose but he also has a deep capacity to listen and he has a capacity to receive life you know I, I've had a few you know kind of big learnings along the way where I remember one time I wasn't able to receive the gift of another and it was this you know incredible being who was saying you know I want to gift you I want to support your continued education and I was like my my ego is up and I'm like well who am I to receive mm -hmm. and I remember a friend of mine at the time she's like well who are you not to receive like why does giving need to be more important than receiving so our capacity to both give and receive simultaneously is a quality of deeper integration mm, that's an amazing answer and i was just thinking and i've been saying this lately you know the masculine gives the feminine receives and when you were just talking one of the things that hit me was i was like i'm very good at giving and mm. but am i good at receiving and it, it hit me because, and you're right, we do have these, you know, the energies are, you know, the feminine and masculine, both energies are within us. And something that I have been embodying more in this last year or so is embodying my own feminine energy more, you know, being, uh, being more creative, you know, listening to uh, my voice and my intuition. I was uh, interviewing a guest a couple of weeks ago, and she had mentioned that, you will treat your feminine queen externally how you're treating the feminine in you and it really hit me because i was like and i had started to take baths and i would spray like rose water and like just really embodying my feminine energy more often right and it's interesting when you just mentioned that because i was like wow like that's so like i need to, i can even go deeper i think there is we can be but then being is like you know i'm just gonna be but then it's also like receiving that's that's a whole another level to you can be but then it's like are you also being and are you also like open to receiving that's mm -hmm. almost like another level of being in your feminine energy and that's something that i feel like i just took away from that that's very interesting yeah now in the the book i i just wrote recently came out in december the embodied man um the i think chapter six or seven in there is called awakening the inner queen and so here's a title it says mastering masculinity and we're going to get into the head and the heart and the balls but really what's deeply required is a man who knows the queen on the inside and i love that you share that because i see this over and over again the clients i work with and the the events and the retreats and the things i put on is that until a man knows the queen and the goddess on the inside then it's really hard to love honor and appreciate fully and at an embodied level the queen on the outside we can adore the goddess and love the goddess and can put all of our love and attention into that energy but if we're not giving that energy to ourselves then we're, we eventually that the cup runs dry and then we then there's a resentful bitch inside who's like hi I'm here don't forget about me like I'm I want to be loved up as well and I think that's a really important thing for the aware the aware alpha or that the aware man is to recognize that all of his attention and love that he wants to pour into the external feminine he really has to first give that to the internal feminine and then once that feminine is full on the inside there's that much more love to give on the outside mm -hmm. there's an overflowing and there's not a pulling of reserves mm. that's beautiful i'm actually excited to read that book you just had me at that chapter i was like ooh, that's <laughs> good actually. i'm excited to actually read that book you know i also seen that you do a lot of like tantra work as well right um it's interesting because a lot of people, when they hear the word Tantra, right away, they think about sex and something that I have, you know, really learned these last four or five years as I'm just, you know, doing this inner work and is that Tantra has nothing to do with sex. It's really a way of life. It's an awareness and understanding. I'm curious to hear your experience with Tantra or like even actually, how did you even get into Tantra uh, on your journey? Yeah, yeah, great, great question. 
I mean, to, to kind of create a framework initially, the word Tantra that, that resonates to me, the definition is to weave. And so Tantra is really the only spiritual lineage that I've come across in my journey that encapsulates the entirety of the human experience. And that means that it's not all about sex, but it includes sexuality as it does consciousness, as it does emotionality, as it does heart space. So it, it's a discipline, it's a lineage, it's a set of teachings and traditions that include sexuality. And because it includes sexuality, so much of what people associate to Tantra is, oh, that's that thing all about, you know, all about sex. Like the moment I tell people I teach Tantra, they're like, oh, you must be some like male, like guru, orgy, oriented like sex addict i'm like well no i'm i'm teaching about the the beautiful traditions that have been around for thousands of years that are coming into our day-to-day -day life of course like anything it gets very misused and and there, there's certainly challenges and stuff inside of this inside of this field but the thing that always speaks to me is that sexual energy is the reason that you and I are having this conversation. Your mom and dad at some point came together in union and created life. My mother and father did the same. That's a really potent energy that's brought us onto this planet. Yeah. So yeah. imagine if we can capture that level of life force energy that moves through our body and then be able to utilize it, then be able to either create children or utilize it towards projects, utilize it towards creativity, utilize it just to as a healing modality. So one of the, the beautiful gifts, you know, I, I put on these two day weekends called the Fundamentals of Tantra with my um, with my last partner in our school, the, the Embodied Awakening Academy that she initially created. And, you know, in that weekend, we support people to have a reintroduction to their emotional body into their sexual body in a way that's not confronting, in a way that's not like, like scaring people away, in a way where you can actually come back home into your own heart. And when people can return into their own body, a lot can start to change. And, and, you know, someone listening might think, what do you mean return to my body? Like, I'm in my body. But a vast percentage of the population has had soft trauma, hard trauma, a lot of different things. And there's a big part of them that actually doesn't even want to be in their body. And unfortunately, when you go down a lot of the spiritual paths, a lot of it is an ascendant journey. So it's like we're ascending out of the body. What Tantra is saying that we're going to ascend, but we're also going to descend. We're going to descend and we're going to recognize that there's a God, omnipotent God everywhere. And there's also a God within us. And when we can know our own divine nature on the inside, then so much more is possible. Mm, it's very true. It's I love the way you explain that. And it's interesting because for myself and my journey this last four or five years, I wonder how you can even ascend without actually getting into the body. Uh, for me, especially, you know, I 2019, I went to a 10 day silent meditation retreat. And after I got out of that, the next, you know, six months or 12 months and until now, like just so many stuff started to come out, you know, three weeks after a 10 day silent meditation retreat, I'm meditating every day an hour or two and I'm crying and I'm crying and just going days and days, months and months of just crying and expressing. And I start to do a lot of this so-called work, you know, shadow work and ego work and inner child work. And I, I've always been a very curious soul, very obsessed uh, with just becoming a better version of myself. So I learned a lot through this. Uh, but when you were mentioning, I was like, yeah, hey, I wonder how you can even ascend. I think that's all this like... Uh, the woke group, you know, where like you're kind of talking about all this stuff like that, but you're really actually not embodying a lot of these teachings that you're a lot of people talking about it, right? One of the questions I want to ask is, you know, as males, I think we carry a lot of anger and rage. Mm -hmm. um, and and I, I, I say that because like, even though I'm, you know, somebody that practices gratitude and meditates, I'm the calmest person ever. I love myself, all the stuff like that. Yet I can feel that I, I carry a lot of rage and anger and I'm learning to express it uh, and release it out of the body. Uh, and I'm in that journey right now uh, myself. 
I'm curious to hear, and I under, I understand where this anger and rage comes from. You know, my own childhood trauma. You know, how I was raised. I grew up in the Middle East and through war. Didn't have a masculine father around. Went through a lot of these things. What I'm curious is that is this a normal thing where everybody's carrying this anger and rage? And what are some practices that one could do to release this anger and rage? Or is it actually even, or do you even need to release it? Is it okay to just, you know, be the way you are? Is this something that can even ever come off? Like, are you, am I always going to have this anger and rage that can come? And I don't, and it's interesting. I'm saying this as if like, I just had a shitty day yesterday or something. No, no. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm barely ever, ever mad, but yet I can feel within my body right now as I'm doing this work even deeper into it than I ever been that there is anger and rage that in my body, I can feel it. And <laughs> I don't know what the next step is, but I believe that it will come. Uh, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, anger and rage is definitely a, a big aspect of, of masculinity. It's also a big aspect of just being human. Mm. It's like emotion is energy in motion. So if we're human and we're living and breathing and we're taking breath, that means that we're going to feel emotion. And now there's different levels of emotion. If I'm in a constant level of anger and rage, there's often usually suppressed things from the past that haven't been felt. Mm. And so uh, imagine this, it's like as a child, when emotions come up, what happens for most children? There are some parental figures saying, don't, don't, don't be upset. What's wrong with you? Let me fix you. Why are you crying? No, 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 you're not allowed to be angry. Don't be angry. Big boys don't be angry. No, 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 they don't cry either. You're just supposed to be a calm robot that doesn't do anything, that has no emotions. Mm. This is what is instilled to us. So imagine for a lot of humans, we've spent... 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, 60, 70 years of our lives mm. suppressing our emotional body. Mm. Now, let's, let's look at emotions as, as water because emotion is, is the feminine element. It's the watery element. Mm -hmm. if, if you and I were to walk to a river right now, a flowing river, and we decide, and I say, Muhammad, let's build a, let's build a dam. Mm -hmm. We're going to build a dam across this river and not let any of the flowing waters go through. Mm. So, you know, a little while the pressure starts to build and build and build, and then eventually that water is just, we can build a really great wall, but the pressure behind it is going to build and build until, until finally it goes, and it pops through, and then that's this like knee-jerk knee reaction, which is the, flight, the fight response being activated in the nervous system because it hasn't had a chance to actually express that in life. Mm -hmm. And so to have a healthy emotional body is a requirement. It's a necessity. It's a, we can't live in life without having healthy emotions. So the way that we begin to do this is learning skills and tools and techniques and this is a lot of what I'm, I'm teaching in retreats especially around emotions of how to move our emotional body in a healthy way because often we're not taught that what are we taught in school we're taught okay we learn algebra we learn physics we learn mathematics we learn english we learn language do we learn how to be a human and move our emotions? No. Do we learn anything about sexuality? No. We just we just think that we know what to do. And what are we, who, who are we learning from? We're learning from our parents who probably haven't had a healthy emotional expression either. There's only a few individuals I've come across in the last 15 years of doing this work who had parents who were like primal therapists, like a buddy of mine in, in Australia, his mom was a primal therapist growing up. So he literally had a room covered in pads. And when he would get upset, his mom would say, go to the room and beat the pads and beat the pillows. So he just grew up expressing his rage and his anger. Like that was what he was used to. He's a pretty calm, like, you know, peaceful individual these days. That doesn't mean he doesn't still get upset. It just means there hasn't been a lot of suppression inside. And I, I know for myself, like when I first met this field of embodiment, 
there was a lot of emotions that were coming through. There was a lot. It was like I uncorked that river and there was just constantly some rage and some anger and some sadness. And, and here's another thing that's really important, especially for men listening, is that when you start to get in touch with your emotions, don't try to cognitively comprehend your emotional body. Now, what does that mean? It means that when we can start to cry, we might try to figure out, well, why am I crying? Why, what's the reason I'm crying? What's the reason I'm upset? I'm sure there's a reason, but at the end of the day, it doesn't actually matter. The gift of our emotional body is that we can emote for no reason. We can cry for no reason and we don't need to have any reason and just that's the gift of being human. If you don't want to be human, then you know, I get that it can be painful, but instead of trying to veer away from the pain, instead of trying to take another prescription d drug to numb the pain, the best thing that we can do is actually feel the pain. And I'm sure there's people listening right now that are going through pain. And pain can be difficult, it can be challenging. But the only way through the pain is by feeling it deeply and knowing that there's another side, but knowing that our addiction to pleasure and avoidance of pain actually creates more pain. So pleasure and pain are one, they create each other. Happiness and sadness are one, they create each other. Kindness and cruelty are one, they create each other. This is the, the gift of being human, is that we get to feel the totality of what, what we are and who we are and not try to veer away from it. Mm, that's amazing. How would you on a practical level or what does that look like to feel an emotion? You know, someone listening to this right now might be wondering, like, let's say, you know, I'm talking to a girl, all of a sudden, you know, in my mind, I start to think like I'm not good enough. And I start to feel these feelings of not being good enough. That's kind of an, like an emotion. How do you feel an emotion? Like, what does that look like on a practical level? Yeah, great question. And, you know, the other thing, and to speak, answer that, the other thing about emotions is that people often have a concept of what emotions are. Emotions, they're kind of, you know, my, my last partner, Raven, she, she put it this way, they're kind of like the seasons. There's only a couple of them. We have sadness, we have happiness, we have frustration, we have anger. Joy could be kind of an emotion, but really when we break it down, like, if I'm not feeling good enough, that's probably underneath that I'm feeling sad. Not feeling good enough is more of a concept of not feeling good enough. You're not good enough. You're in a body. You're divine. You're, you know, I'm not saying you are, but I'm just saying if that's what somebody's feeling. And to know that no matter what you're going through, you're worthy of love. You are love. Love cannot be taken away from anyone. So if you're listening to this and like you feel like, oh, everyone on the planet is perfect and amazing, but me? Nah, nah, God fucked up with me. So that some, some shit went wrong here, you know? So <laughs> to actually feel an emotion means that at the time of when the emotion comes in, you stop, you pause, and you let it be there. That is probably the greatest gift anyone could take away from this talk. Because normally when people start to feel sadness, they might reach for drugs, they might reach for food, they might reach for someone, they might reach for something. So if we can pause in that moment and just say, oh, hmm, I'm feeling sad. Mm. Or somebody did something and, and you're frustrated and you're annoyed. Instead of that part of you that wants to blame, shame, and condemn that person that did wrong to you, you can stop for a moment, feel the anger on the inside, and be like, ah, they're giving me the gift of feeling anger. Thank you. Mm. And I'll just say that again because that's a huge one. Most people... We get upset because somebody has done wrong to us. You've done something. It's all your fault. You've caused the harm. I'm feeling upset because of you. Mm. And I, I did a master's degree in spiritual psychology at the University of Santa Monica in my early 20s. Mm. And one of the phrases that always stuck with me is that if you're saying the words, I'm upset because dot, 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 
What that means is it's time to go to your school of inner work. It's time to go to your, your, your inner sanctuary. It's time to feel, what am I being upset about? What is the external reflecting about the internal? And so to actually feel emotions means that I pause, I stop, I take a deep breath, and I, I let them be there. If you're upset with your partner, if you're upset with your son, your daughter, your wife, your husband, whatever it may be, and you're feeling anger, pull yourself out of the situation, go to your bedroom, close the door, and express all the anger into the pillow. The pillow is able to receive that. The pillow can receive the anger. It's still going to give you soft comfort when you go to bed at night. <laughs> if you hit somebody in the face, they might not give you the same love that a pillow will. <laughs> yeah, <thank you. laughs> so it's like the, the, the aware alpha has the awareness that in that moment, when anger is, is, is rising up inside, instead of trying to blame, shame, and condemn the person that you think has done wrong to you, you take responsibility for the upset you're feeling, you move your emotions, you, ah, you vibrate your body, you let life force move through you. You know, and a great example of this, any of you have pets or if you've ever seen an animal in the wild, when a dog gets frightened, it doesn't like go and, and stay frightened in a corner. It shakes its body. It's like, it shakes it all out. It lets the energy move through. And then it's like, oh, okay, here I am. I can go back to life. What do we do as humans? We get frightened and then we store it and we hold it in. And then we get tighter and tighter and tighter and more constricted and more contracted and more... And then when somebody pushes us the wrong way, we go, Bleh! and then we throw up our, all over them because we haven't had a healthy emotional body for the last day, month, year, decade of our lives. Mm, so true. I love the way you explain everything. Curious. So what's the difference between a feeling and an emotion? Mm. Or is it the same thing? Well, a feeling is, is a is a sense of like as i was kind of drawing that down there's only a, a, a couple of feelings emotions can have a wide variety of kind of energetic um, alignment in our body so again i'm looking at emotion as energy in motion they're they're quite similar but often feelings are are taken into mental constructs when feelings are just okay i'm i'm feeling sad as i said before sad angry frustrated happy sad you know th those are uh, those are fairly consistent emotions are, is just like this moving energy inside of us that kind of contain the feeling it's this emotional vibration inside of our being and we're emoting we're expressing energy through us so emotions are this kind of you know expression of energy that's happening through our body you know th there's a lot in this field around you could say emotional responsibility or emotional intelligence and, and these are all great things but again when we try to cognitively express our emotional body or our feelings and we're often missing the point and you know a good way to kind of connect to emotions is just tuning into our animal body imagine we have our consciousness that's kind of like always seeing everything and understanding and and interpreting and, and analyzing and then there's just this animal body that's like <sighs> It like doesn't often have words. It just like feels the world around it and expresses from that space. And, you know, there are healthy nervous system responses that the animal body can express. When we're afraid, we might try to, you know, flee a situation, which can be a healthy response. When we're when we need we feel like we need to fight back, we're standing in our authority, we're standing in our ground, we're creating space for that. This is healthy responses of the nervous system. What happens because as a child, when we want to leave a situation, we often have a parent that's saying, no, 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 stay, stay. No, you're not allowed to go. So what happens is that emotional kind of nervous system response gets pushed down. And then 
as a result, if there is any more challenging situations, we kind of escalate in our nervous system even more into a freeze response. So then we're frozen because we wanted to fight, we wanted to flight, we wanted to respond, but now we're not even sure we know how to anymore, so our body is almost frozen in time. And then if this has happened enough times to people, then there's a disassociation out of the body, which is where a lot of people hang out because there's a part of them that's saying it's not safe to be in the body. It's not safe to feel this deeply. It's not safe to express this much. It's not safe to be in this way. So I'm just going to disassociate and leave my body. And I feel like that's actually how I was for a long time. I'm 32 now, but like for 25, 26, 27 years of my life, I was very disassociated with my body. I, mm -hmm. I never even felt safe in my body, you know, mm -hmm. and it's interesting now I feel totally different. And I think that's, you can tell that by even sometimes I remember growing up, I never liked to be alone, you know, just being alone was always just, I could just feel something. Like I always need to be around people. I always need to be busy. I need to always do doing something where these days I love spending time with me, myself and my inner child and all these parts of me because I've just, you know, I've got to know all these parts of me, right? Um, what's like one of the things that I always think about, like I always feel like the inner child is also like just the feminine energy within me mm. uh, because the inner child wants to express itself, wants to, you know, play and wants to dance and wants to have fun. And I always feel like it's, it's, which is the same thing with the feminine. The feminine wants to express, wants to, you know, it's emotional and it's, it wants to play. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. If there is any, it's like, is it the same energy? Is it the same thing? Or is that, because I know there's a lot of, you know, inner child is, you know, a part of your brain between zero to seven years or whatever. And it was a part of you and it shaped you into the man you are. And I always wonder what's the dip, if there's any similarities or if is, is it the same energies or just, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. If the, if our this feminine energy is the same as the inner child energy or are it two separate things? Yeah. I mean, I would say the inner child, there's both a feminine component and a masculine component. So, mm -hmm. you know, when I'm, when I'm speaking into femininity and masculinity, it's like speaking into yin and yang. There, there's a dynamic balance inside of us. So because, you know, you and I are both in male bodies, we have kind of a inner young little boy and we also have an inner little girl, which can be a little bit complicated in concept, but it's ultimately just an inner child. But if, if put it this way, if you look at like some of the, the worst horror movies that we see, mm. is, it, is it when the little girl goes crazy or the little boy goes crazy that's scarier? Which one? little girl the little girl so 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 why is that because there's a different quality the feminine represents this kind of universal creativity of everythingness mm. the, this everythingness that encapsulates all of life mm. the, the masculine is this kind of is the structure is the bones is the singularity it's the focus it's the determination it's all of that all of those qualities are inside of us if you watch little boys play it's very different than watching little girls play there's just a different energy they both have feminine energy and masculine energy but when that little girl energy turns sour it's like whoa it's almost like our intuitive creative cosmic connection to existence is is a little bit frightened and something's Shit's, shit's gonna go down things are gonna get crazy now it's all gonna get a little bit wild and so when i feel into my my little girl inside i feel like the one who who plays with the fairies who kind of dances in the mystery who goes out to a beautiful sunset and just sees all the different entities and the energies and the things floating around when i'm in my little boy energy i'm in this like it's this different quality of kind of jubilance and playfulness and, and, and connection. There's just a different um, quality to it. And I feel like for both male bodies and female bodies, both those energies are alive in us. Ultimately, the inner child is just the one that's kind of connected into uh, something beyond this body. Because are you, are you a parent? Uh, no, no, I'm not. Okay, I'm I'm not either, but I you know I've had I've nieces and nephews, and I've I've watched a number of children grow up in the last you know fifteen twenty years, 
And it's amazing watching the evolutionary time. And then when they reach that kind of like preteen stage, all of a sudden they become aware of themselves and they're, they, they aren't as expressive as they were maybe a year or two before that. All of a sudden, like their connection to this universal cosmic dance of reality is like, oh, that's weird. Why am I doing that? That's strange. And so there's a different developmental stage of the mind that happens and this is often you know you could say between like the 7 to 14 year old evolution if you look at it, seven year cycles of, of development mm -hmm. and so that inner child is where I see over and over when I'm working with people when someone can access that inner child they can access back into that kind of infinite dream space the one that you know, didn't have any limitations, the one that reached for the stars, the one that played in every in any environment and was happy no matter what. And of course, if people went through challenging traumatic situations at any of those times at a young age, there's a wide variety of developmental things that, that have been impacted as a result. And I've seen a, a lot of things of that through the years. So yeah, inner child is alive inside of us, and you know, I I, I love you know. I just spent the last two days in, in the woods in Denmark after teaching a a festival up here, just walking through the woods and playing you know playing with the trees and just having my own alone time and, and time with myself. I'm often with people a lot these days. When I have time on my own, it's like I can feel all the elements and all the parts in me, and they're all kind of coming through as an aspect of who I am. That's amazing. You know, um, as you were just sharing all that, there was something that was on my mind and I wanted to kind of get your opinion on it. And it's interesting. I've actually never shared this on the podcast. Actually, I've never actually even like, there's only like probably like five to seven people that know about this. And I only mm -hmm. learned about this probably like two months ago when my uh, sister shared with me this. Uh, and so she actually shared with me that when I was a, I grew up in Afghanistan and she shared it with me. She's like, you know, I have to tell you this story because I just uh, like, I feel like you need to know you're ready for it. She's like, one of the worst days of my life was, she's telling me this, one of the worst days of her life was uh, when I got circumcised and, mm. and she's like, I could, I would, I was screaming that day. You were screaming that day. And she told me the story pretty much. So what happened was in our little town, my mom and dad, uh, they found out some kid that got you know sick or something like that and he wasn't circumcised so my mom believed that I have to get circumcised and I'm already five six years old so like it's like like I have to this has to happen and I live in a small town in Afghanistan small village in Afghanistan no doctors no to make the story short and sweet pretty much is that I ended up they ended up circumcising me without any anesthesia and so the story and this is and when I was mentioning about the anger and the rage where lately it's been coming because I'm starting to realize why I never add any uh, trust in the masculine. And I host mm -hmm. a man's circle here in town for all the men. And one of the men, when I shared the story with them at the circle, he was like, that's why you never add any like trust in your, in the masculine or your father, because it's like the man that was supposed to be there for you wasn't there for you. And in this experience, I'd only remembered smiling. I just remember this happening and me smiling and everybody was smiling around me. But what I just realized, my sister, she's like, no, like you got circumcised and my cousins and all the men in town, like they held you down as the guy who did the cut. So without anesthesia. So pretty much from my understanding is that like I passed out, like I passed out from it because like just like screaming so loud that I passed out. And then they, um, they feed me some, like, I guess, something to kind of make me numb. And that's where I remember is smiling from that experience. But mm -hmm. the whole bunch of stuff that I don't actually remember, right? Uh, so first of all, I just felt like sharing that with you almost for like your feedback on it in, in a sense, because I feel like there's a part of me that's, that's going to feel that at one point. Like, mm -hmm. remember that experience, right? Because I want to remember that experience, which, you know, I don't know a lot of people would say that you don't need to go in the past to, you know, you don't need to go remember these things. You don't have to remember the traumatic experiences for you to become a whole person. But I feel like from my experience, 
It's not that I'm trying to go back to remember the experience. Mm-hmm. When the body feels safe enough to express, that's going to come up because mm-hmm. this body experienced that and mm-hmm. suppressed mm-hmm. it. And it's mm-hmm. somewhere within me. And I believe that when it feels safe enough the next time or when it gets to a sp- when it's time, it's going to come up, right? Um, yeah. yeah, I'm curious to hear your feedback on that, on how that experience may have affected me or do you believe that there's going to be a point that I'm going to, that's going to come up where I'm going to express whether it's anger, tears, emotion, whatever emotion that comes from that, I will end up feeling that. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question. And, and thank you for, for sharing that and bringing this into the conversation. It's a, it's a, it can be a vulnerable thing. So honoring that, that sharing for you. Thank you. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's many parts to that, you know, situations that have happened in our past, if they, if there's emotion and energy connected to it that hasn't been expressed and that's being stored inside the body. Mm-hmm. And so there's a part of your kind of um, being that's bringing forth these memories probably because now compared to let's say 10 years ago you're more able to actually handle moving through the emotions that come with that situation so this is often you know i see this a lot especially working with clients where you know all of a sudden i'll take them through a process and they'll remember sexual abuse that happened when they were 10 years old or they remember something and it's just like it's been stored away in a part of the consciousness because it was so challenging like probably there's a part of your body at that moment that just disassociated and was like i can't trust anybody here because look what they just did to me Mm -hmm. and so part of the you could say healing of memories or timeline regression however there's a lot of different modalities around this is a matter of yeah feeling back into that moment and expressing the emotion saying the words that you didn't say before you know in in a lot of the one-on-one sessions i do and we do different variations of this in groups as well it's giving people an opportunity to express consciously to literally allow that voice inside who is probably being pushed down to say fuck you get off of me and and really like reclaim that power in a sense you know you can never go back and change the past but what you can do is is change the way we associate to the things that have happened in the past because there's nothing that's happened in our life that's only negative there's nothing that's only been positive it's impossible for something to exist like that but we often have a belief that oh that was so terrible and I never want that to happen again but when we do that, we're recreating situations that are trying to force us to love, honor, and appreciate the perfection of the past. And so in that situation for you, like things probably will start to surface more. And there might be a distrust in the masculine. And the fact that you know you have a podcast called Aware Alpha and you're supporting men to wake up, it's like that makes a lot of sense. It's like there's a part of your dharma connected to your past that's then giving you an inspiration to support male bodies especially to be more conscious, to be more aware, to be more present. And especially, you know, to take this even deeper, like this conversation of circumcision, you know, there's, we could probably have a whole podcast on that alone because there's such a, I I find a fallacy. I'm also circumcised, you know, I was raised in in the Jewish religion, you know, and that's just part of it. And it's like this, there's this part that somehow, you know, the genitals aren't clean and we need to make sure that they're, they're going to remain clean. And, you know, there's so much sensitivity that's taken away when that happens. And so imagine because there's a decrease in sensitivity and then we grow up in a porn inflicted, you know, demoralization of the feminine society, it just re-perpetuates this part of us as men that don't have respect and appreciation often for sensitivity because the very essence of our sensitivity was taken away at a very young age. Mm. To me, that didn't happen when I was, you know, four or five years old. I I think it happened just at a couple months of of age. So, of course, I still felt it. And I actually just went through a process recently in, in receiving a session where I was like right back at that moment. And I had just, 
heaps of tears and, and, and so much energy moving through me. And I was saying the things that to my, to my mom, to my dad, that I don't know if I could verbalize at that time. And from that moment, there's been a change in my own sexual energy. This just happened a month or two ago. So it's like the, the evolution of, of this process is ever unfolding. And there's so many nuances inside of it. And really, it's a capacity to, to feel deeply and to notice and to listen to the things that are fed to us and to notice how that responds inside of our body to the situations that have happened in the past. Mm, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. You know, one thing I, um, I've been experiencing since I heard that story is that I noticed at night I'm going to bed and I'll wake up or even when I'm going to bed, I grab my penis and my, mm -hmm. like my, my balls. Like I actually have my hand on it and not because I'm trying to play with myself, but it's almost like the body is protecting it. Mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. i and i wake up in the middle of the night it's like my hand is on it as if like i'm like i'm protecting it and my body has this this wisdom that maybe mentally i'm not even i haven't re, uh processed yet even though i am processing it in all levels at this point right so i find yeah. that very interesting how the body has this wisdom that if we tap into it it can like it can bring so many things to the surface, right? Sure, um, for sure. And another thing also I have noticed is that, so I work with men uh, helping them get over watching pornography. I have a program called the Zen Guide to Freedom from Porn. And I teach a lot about sexual energy and the, just the magic, the power within uh, sexual energy, how you're able to use that towards, you know, releasing sexual energy in a healthy manner. Because growing up in this society, North America, or most of the first world countries really, like the only way men are taught to release their energy sexual energy is sex porn masturbation but and me learning from my early 20s like i discovered that there's so many other healthier ways to release this sexual energy besides just penetrative sex or porn right and so what i've learned recently and what i'm working through recently is that i've just realized that i'm not as sexual like I'm not as like wanting to have sex with a beautiful woman right away. It's like those parts of me right now are kind of like processing certain things that they're just not as excited for a sexual experience. Mm -hmm. It's like they're going through something and the desire mm -hmm. for, you know, intimacy and sex is not there. I wonder if you think that's something like to do with this experience that I recently, this memory that I found out about, or is it, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, no, good question. I mean, what I find, you know, I've gone through various stages of kind of my own um, highs and lows of my erotic energy. Mm. Um, like there was a time I went to a military maritime academy. I'm a, a ship's captain by trade. That's my, my background. And I remember, you know, after getting out of the academy and then I went to Eastern Europe with my buddy and just had a very debaucherous four months of my life that, you know, did everything and anything you can imagine was done in that trip, you know? And I, and then soon after, I remember I eventually I found the world of even more of meditation and connection. And there was a time where I almost turned asexual. Mm. It was like my connection was to God. My connection was to a to higher source, to something. And it was really a time in my life where I was meditating all the time. I was doing writing. And it was just like all of that sexual energy was being drawn towards more of an ascension. Mm. And after, I can't remember how long, I remember there was a, a woman who I was spending some time with who I think we were like meditating and doing like reading together. And something shifted in my body and I just kind of was like, whew, and it was energy that I hadn't really felt in probably, you know, eight or nine months. And it even kind of surprised her. And I'm like, ah, oh, okay, like there's something just turned back on. And I wasn't like judging it. I wasn't, you know, shaming it. I was just being with it. You know, the thing about our sexual energy is that it's it's life force. It's, it's creativity. It's you know, you can kind of call it kundalini energy, which lies at the base of the spine and just has a way of uncoiling itself through the whole body. Mm -hmm. You know, another example, 
last year in June, my partner at the time, we'd been together for over two and a half years and we were living in Bali together and she went back to Australia to be with her children. Uh, I stayed in, in, in Bali and we'd been making love every day for almost a year and a half, two years. Like there was, that was just part of our routine was making love. Like we both teach in this field of Tantra and that was kind of our medicine. Mm -hmm. And so I, then I went from making love every day to then her just not being there. Mm -hmm. And I, it was in that time when I, in one of my meditations that I realized the outline of a book that I had come into me like a month or two beforehand, I thought, ah, oh, I have a month free, some other COVID weird chaos things happen, and I ended up tucking myself away up into the jungle for a month and writing The, the Embodied Man, this book. And so to me, that was an example of, okay, I'm taking the sexual energy that I've been using every day in making love with her, and then I streamlined that into writing a book. And this is creative energy. This is sexual energy. So when we go into deeper nuances and healings and subtleties in our body, Sometimes we might feel more erotic and turned on, and sometimes that energy might be being used in, in, in many other different ways. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. That's, that's beautiful. Um, one of the things that just come to my mind is that, you know, when we, let's say I meet an, a partner, somebody, and I, I just fall in love with them. Like, I just love this person. So, you know, whether it takes six months, a year, you know, three days, whatever long it takes. And I just love this person so much. And from my awareness, and I have I have this realization that like when I love this person so much, they're simply just exposing this love that I already had within me. And mm -hmm. so it's like, so I love, I think I love this person so much, but yet really this love was always there. <laughs> this person is only, they just brought it up, you know? And mm -hmm. for me, I, as I'm thinking about this, like out without having to find someone externally to expose and find this love within me, how can one find more of this love without an external partner? Yeah, uh, I love that. And, you know, it's really a journey of self-love. And, you know, especially for men, we, as I was saying earlier in our conversation, we love to love the external feminine and that like gives us a reason for love. Mm -hmm. And so the, the invitation is to when that moment when we want to give so much to the outer feminine to give that love back to ourselves, mm -hmm. and really imagine as though you're giving it to your young feminine inside, to a young girl inside, to a young woman inside who probably has never really been acknowledged or recognized or loved or appreciated before. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when that happens, so much changes. So uh, the, the, what we can do is, is really begin to nourish our own cup and begin to really self-initiate our own being. There's a, a retreat I, I run, you know, several times a year around the world called the Initiation Journey. And it's for only only for male bodies, and it's really a deep dive into, you know, all of the deepest challenges and issues and taboos and homophobia and all the things that men never talk about. And one of the things that we work on a lot is like this initiation for this feminine inside of us, and how can we learn to love her and honor her and take care of her, and really nurture her the same way we want to love and honor the the external. So instead of needing to find someone like i work with guys sometimes and they're needing and they're searching i want to find love where did love go where did it go where did it go i want to find it it's like imagine you go out and you meet a woman and she just feels a needy like needy little bitch a needy guy that's like i don't want someone needy i want to meet someone where the cup is overflowing where there's already love there because then if it doesn't work out, I'm not devastated because I already know love. And if it does work out, beautiful. Then it's two beings who aren't going to have a codependent relationship. Rather, they're going to have a interdependent relationship where it's a three-way relationship with God. You know, it's one, one person in their own inner union, masculine and feminine, in union. Another person in their own inner union, masculine and feminine in union, coming together celebrating life together not coming together and saying i need you to feel love because if you're not here then i'm never going to feel love and it's all going to be the end of the world and oh my god oh my god and it's like this is unfortunately what hollywood sells to us so it's it's an unraveling of that story to know ourselves as love intrinsically 
That's amazing. That's a great answer. And another thought I had was, so, you know, early 20s, and you, I hear it a lot too, I, you know, working with men and working with different individuals and networking with different individuals where a lot of times people get into a relationship because they feel alone. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I'm, just, I'm feeling lonely. I'm feeling alone. And one thing I have realized this last four or five years, a lot of times those feeling of, feelings of loneliness, like it's, it's because there's a part of you that wants attention. And of course, right. And you can, you don't have to actually, you don't need an external person to help you get over that loneliness. Something that I have that's helped me is just like, just the validation, everything that I'm seeking externally, I can actually give that to myself. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because at times I wonder, I'm like, okay, so do I really need an external partner? Because I'm just so happy with my own self living this life. Right. Um, I do have a question for you because you host so many retreats and uh, you work with men. What are your thoughts on ayahuasca? Um, I'm just curious to hear if you have ever, you know, done it or if you are, you know, just curious your thoughts because there is uh, a lot of talks about it these days, especially when it comes to, you know, doing this work and ayahuasca is supposed to help you. Yeah, you know, it's another subject I I could definitely talk about probably for many, many hours, um, just in general around plant medicine. Mm -hmm. But I've I've had ayahuasca a few times and it's been beautiful and revolutionary and revelatory in many ways. I, you know, celebrate the different plants that can uh, support my consciousness to expand into places that I might not normally be able to. Mm -hmm. However, and big caveat to this, if I'm taking ayahuasca every weekend, I think there's a part of me that's externalizing my feminine onto the plant. Mm -hmm. So this is really important for men because we're, we're very addictive beings and creatures and we love to do something and then keep doing it and then keep doing it over and over and over again and then you know and we get into this place of chasing something and in many ways and I see this I've seen this happen a lot is people are externalizing their creativity their intuition their guidance their connection to a greater source to marijuana to ayahuasca to mushrooms to all these different plant medicines and I celebrate them all like I've had beautiful revelations with each one of those and I've been very appreciative for what they've shown me along the way but I've also seen a very fine line where I can continue almost an addictive nature towards that thing or I can actually self-source my love, self-source my intuition, self-source my creativity, self-source the place where I can connect to something beyond myself, just simply through breath, through sound, through movement. You know, for me, Tantra is my medicine. You know, making love to myself, making love to, to a beloved is my medicine. You know, that's a beautiful medicine. I'm not shaming people who use a lot of ayahuasca or a lot of medicines but just the noticing are you reaching for that substance because you think it's going to give you something that you don't know within yourself and it very well might initially but if you keep reaching for it over and over and over and over and over again chances are there's probably some sort of addictive connection to it and there's a good good opportunity to kind of look within at something deeper Mm, that's amazing yeah if there's if you notice an attachment to it then it's like it's probably not doing what it's supposed to do, right? If um, you, at one point you definitely don't want to have any attachment to anything really because you just want to be full within, just feel full within yourself without having to, I need this or I need the medicine, I need the girl, I need the job, I need this to be happy. It's like, no, it's just, I think without any of these attachments, that's having no attachment is happiness, I believe personally, in my opinion. Um, I just want to say, first of all, like, I love this podcast. Like, this was such a beautiful, beautiful conversation. I feel like there was so much that even myself, I took away. Um, I, I Part of me is actually definitely intrigued to attend one of your retreats, uh, definitely, because I feel like it's uh, something that's been called for me for a while. I actually was looking to go do a ayahuasca ceremony sometimes this coming year um just you know it's just my heart feels called to it right um but yeah no that's amazing i definitely had so much fun doing this podcast here any thoughts anything that's on your mind that you want to share uh as we close things off 
Yeah, no, just just celebrating you and what you're creating, and and just really, you know, I know you've you've been on a journey like many of us, and appreciating the work that you're doing in the world, and you know, I, I would say if you're feeling that call towards you know a, a deeper dive, the 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 men's initiation that I run is often, you know, it's individuals as yourself who are have podcasts and they're facilitators and they're teachers and they're holding men's circles and it's really a, a space where guys who are kind of looking for that next evolutionary impulse that they get to come together and be guided themselves so okay. you know I'd say usually 60 70 percent of the guys coming in there are teachers and facilitators and, and really stepping up in their game and it's a place where basically no stone goes unturned um, the next one I'm going to be running on that side of the world is Nicaragua um, in November, uh, a beautiful venue down there. But um, yeah, just just honoring you and, and honoring what you're creating. And anyone listening that wants to find out more, you can go to Amazon, you can find The Embodied Man. It's The Audible version is going to be out soon as well. It's on Kindle. You can get it in, in bookstores. You can get it get it all over, all over the world. So um, and there's lots of ways to meet and interact with me. I'm, I'm teaching in over 15 countries this year all over the world, so I, I move around a lot. Mm, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that, Aaron. I will definitely put your Instagram and the link to your book in the detail section of the podcast and everything so everyone can uh, get access to you and find you. And once uh, I'm definitely going to actually get more information on your uh retreat in Nicaragua as well here uh, once we finish off this podcast I definitely look forward to hearing that uh, and lastly yeah thank you so much for this I was uh, I had a lot of fun and I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast is going to uh, get some value from it for sure for sure yeah you're, you're very welcome it's been a joy to be here with you brother <laughs> thank you brother as we finish off this podcast I just want to put some intentions out there and my intentions are for you to truly truly uh, listen to this podcast and you know Hopefully, you're inspired to take action on your inner work. My intentions are for you to discover and realize that you are whole, you are amazing, you are divine. And my intentions are for you to discover more of yourself. And lastly, until next time, stay an aware alpha.